Welcome to In the Woods. I'm James Woods, aka William Moore, the author of Sparrows Valley and the Twisted Fairy Tale series, and co-founder of Majavi. If you need to get out of your own way and learn how to traverse the not-so-happy path in your career, I want to help you dig through the weeds and get to the roots of what may be holding you back from growing and succeeding in your industry. The mindset when you have to overcome when things don't go your way. So join me in the woods. Hey, welcome to In the Woods. I'm James Woods, aka William Moore, the author of the Sparrows Valley and Twisted Fairy Tale series and co-founder of Majavi. If you need to get out of your own way and learn how to traverse the not-so-happy path in your career, join me in the woods. Uh, today I got a special guest, uh, DJ Salman. Like, we go back, like way back. Uh, I'll give uh, I'm, sorry, bit of- I'm sorry to cut you off, Woods. Can I can I correct you a little bit? Please, because I knew I probably butchered it. I'm tired of feeling fishy, bro. Can you no, call please, me go Salman? for it. It's Salman. So when you say it in our dialect, it's Salman. It's Salman? Salman. 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 Thank, like, I was yeah, actually wondering that. No, like the Jamaican. Yeah, man. <laughs> Salman. Oh, Salman. Ah, sweet. Yes. Okay, DJ. Uh, DJ Salman, I mean, you've been... Salman. You've been... <laughs> I'm like, you've been working in... The, <laughs> You've been working in this industry like you're literally one of the I mean, in my opinion, you're one of the top South Asian DJs, MCs, literally on the East Coast. Like I've been trying to well, book you for a while. That. Your calendar's book. Your calendar is literally book like twenty five, eight, three, sixty six. So thank you for definitely being on the show. Um, it's funny how you and I meet uh, met. You and I had this conversation a couple of weeks. You're like, how did we meet? He was like, you don't remember? It was about almost two decades ago. Uh, I used to valet at a place called Fox Hollow, and yep. I used to do overnights. Yep. So when I would leave Fox Hollow, I literally would always stop at a gas station to buy, like, honey buns and some other snacks. And you were actually working at the gas station. So we're yes, literally, yep. like, one of those stories of where we started from – Extremely humble beginnings. I would just put it nicely. Extremely, extremely. <laughs> Working at the gas Holy moly, man. That's and now, so like, now you have your own company. You have employees. You're literally sought after. Like, throughout the, the, the South Asian mixed culture weddings and events, literally across the entire East Coast. And I know that's going to expand over time. Um, so let's kind of get in. So kind of get into it. Um we had very humble beginnings. So one of the questions I've always wanted to ask you is when you first started, you know, DJing, did you believe you were going to get there? Like when you first barked on your career, did you expect anything or was it just kind of like, dude, I need some extra money. I'm trying, I'm tired of working here. Yeah. Like what was That's it? Exactly like what was going was, through your man. mind? Like, that was exactly what it was. Uh, what's, uh, it was, uh, it was just, you know, it's the circumstances I was living in. I, I needed money. And, um, to you know, just to put it in a nutshell, my mom is actually the one who encouraged me to go ahead and start DJing. She was like, you should DJ, you know, because uh, in college I used to go out to lounges and stuff, you know, and then she went to a wedding and she saw our DJ and she's like, you know, you have that personality. You should really get into it. And I wasn't living at home. I wasn't living with my mom at the time um, due to personal reasons. And, you know, I was... I was on my own, basically, and I was working as a waiter, as, you know, working at a, at a gas station, and it was just literally just for the money. Wow. So 
So what, what was your origin story? I know you said you were doing like lounges, but how did you get into like everyone knowing you saying, hey, uh, on point, you know, entertainment, can you come do my event? I want you to set up everything, my tables, my lights, my photo booths, my DJ, MCs. Like, how did you get there? Well, on point was only like three years old. Um, okay. Before that, I was DJ Salman NYC. And how I got into knowing is just, man, you know, just referral or referral. You know, like I said, I was hungry. I was hungry, man. I needed I needed some money. I, you know, my, uh, you know, I had personal reasons why, I, you know, as you get in trouble, I wasn't a great kid. You know what I'm saying? M- wasn't much of a people person either, you know, back then. Oh, just, I definitely you know, didn't just, know that. you know so you know it was just the the money man you know i was struggling with this waiter job and gas station job i'm like i'm busting my ass i didn't see a future it really helped that i i was always interested in music i always had to have the new cd player in the car you know what i'm saying back then we had the cd players and the dvd players that flipped up so i was like listening to music that was my you know like i used to get away from it and get away from life by listening to music you know, that I, I definitely helped a lot because my music choice was very diversified. So that's how people knew me. And plus, I, I grew up in Brooklyn. So, you know, of course, when you're frowned upon, when you're judged and you're like, oh, he's a loser, he's not going to be anything. And then they see that same guy doing things out there. You know, people are like, hey, man, you know, we hear about him. He's a DJ. We need a DJ for my birthday or whatever for an event. So it's mostly word of mouth, mostly word of mouth from, you know, people seeing my work, people seeing my choice of music. Now you're saying you're you weren't a people person. You're an MC. Like that's your main purpose. I am at now. The event. I am now man. business. <laughs> I, I understand that in this country, customer service. What they when they say customer is always right, that means they're always right. That does mean that, bro. And I noticed that because now I've spent hours at night sitting down with brides and grooms, talking to them for like two hours because the groom is somewhere overseas and the bride is there, and then. You know, we keep cutting off and then we're trying to connect and we're trying to talk on the phone. Customer service is everything, man. My partner, Shah, who, who joined about a couple of years back, he really made me understand that, hey, man, no matter what, you know, people do a lot of dumb shit. They'll ask you a lot of dumb shit, but you need to understand it's something, <laughs> it's something they haven't done. They don't know about your wire and what you need to do or how the sound and acoustic works. So you have to nicely explain to them, hey, man, this is the deal. This is why we're charging such and such amount. Because we were in a South Asian crowd, man. Remember, we're cheap as bro. I'm cheap myself. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a penny pincher, but I'm, I'm thrifty. You know, that's how I'll right. say I'm thrifty. So, you know, but you get a lot of bargaining, bro. And it's like, after nine years of doing this, when people used to bargain with me, I used to just be like, all right, I'm not going to entertain this, man. That's it. I work way too hard. I bring too much to the table. You know, I got a little cocky. That's when my partner came in and, you know, he's my best friend, too. He's not only my partner. He's also my best friend for 12 years. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so he's seen oh, so me. he was there in the like, beginning. Oh, yeah, man. But he was never there as in terms of, like, because, you know, he has his own family. He has his sister. He has his mother and his father. And his father's sick. God bless him. He was working his own job. Or he was doing something else. But then, like, he got fed up of it. He, just like me, you know, like, I got fed up of working at a gas station. He got fed up of doing whatever he was doing. And he was like, bro, I need to just do something on my own. And, you know, he joined in. So that's why I say I wasn't a people person, because um, even like at stores back in the day when I worked at Ross and when I worked at certain places, I was just like the overnight stock guy or I was the guy who's in the back stocking 
nobody's talking to me i know what to do and just leave me alone you know what i'm saying a big part of it comes from the gas station because at night i would get bored you know what i'm saying and i'm like yo damn man i mean like how long are you gonna watch videos how long can you talk to somebody on the phone so that's how me and you kind of started talking and chopping it up you know what i'm saying right i was just gonna ask you that because I, I remember i was never a people person and i used to do a uh, perform poetry at the new Yorican and the bowery and bar 13 and all these different events and sometimes in arenas in front of hundreds and potentially thousands of people. So some people think that I was a people person and I'm not. So how I broke it myself was um, I used to do Amway. And okay. one of the things with Amway is you got to speak to people. And for me, that that just was not going to work. So mm -hmm. at the time, I literally had my roommate and I said, look, I said for the next like several months, here's the keys to the house. Do not let me in the house unless I come into this house with at least three phone numbers. And I did that literally every night for like, I'd probably say three to four months. So I literally forced myself. I would go to places that were a little easier for me. I'd go to like a bookstore and I'd ask someone about a book they were reading. So I, it was easy at first. And then I, started, then, I would, then I'd go into a mall and I'd go into like the, the arcade. They don't have them anymore. Or I would go into um, like a game store, or a music store, and I'd ask someone about. So I started learning how to break the ice. And then I started stepping up where I literally could just go up and speak to anybody on the bus, the train, the street. But when I first started, I literally would go out and I would just be like wallpaper. I would just stand there for hours. And I'm like, my roommate is a jerk and they are not going to let me in this house unless I come back with the, with something. <laughs> you know, I, 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 but hey, man, listen, you had to do what you had to do. You know, sometimes you have to do that. I so, I saw the bigger picture, and I'm like, hey, man, the more talking I do, the more I explain to people. Because, yeah, you know, again, people don't know. People don't know that I carry Italian speakers rather than Chinese or Japanese speakers. You know, that like, I mean, in our market, you know, the Chinese and Japanese stuff is, you know, a lower shelf. Uh, the Italian speakers are the top of the line. Good amps and good this and good and that. So I had to really do that. Before that, I had to buy the stuff. I noticed, like I always told myself, I'm not going to do what every other DJ is doing. And, you know, because I, I worked with DJs, uh, like I used to pick up speakers as a roadie. I would see what they would do wrong, what I don't want to do. You, but, um, how did you build, like, I'd say your brand? Like, how did you become DJ Salmon? Like, how did it differentiate you where it's like, okay, I have these DJs. And then there's this guy that I want to book. Like, how did you kind of mold that person? Until this day, I think what's been selling me is my is my MC. You know, I improvise. You know, I kind of, when I go into the crowd, I don't try to use the same shit at every party. I try to grab the moment. Like, if there's a little kid passing by, I'll be like, hey, kid, you ready to party? And, you know, kind of put the mic to the kid's face. And they're like, yeah, we're ready to party. I try to just be different when it comes to talking on the mic, use a different set of words, try to see if the crowd is from Queens or Brooklyn, you know, or Long Island. And I try to play with them a little bit, you know, and make them laugh. I feel like a laughing crowd is a turned up crowd. And once they loosen up and, you know, you kind of, and then plus the choice of music. I think the biggest job, because DJ has become, you know, a DJ, like anybody could buy a fucking control. You could buy a control tomorrow, you'll be a DJ. Like, hey man, I'm a DJ. So that's the biggest cliche in this market. But <laughs> at the end of the day, the longevity comes from how different you are, how good you are at your craft. Like my biggest thing is when I when I hire guys, when I when I work with guys, I tell them, 
you got to be able to read the crowd. Don't just get lost in the board and your computer. Look at the crowd. See what they want. Right. What are they bumping to? What do they like? Do they like R&B? Do they like hip-hop? Do they like, uh, you know, Bollywood music or Punjabi music or Afghani music? Look at the ratio. How many how many Spanish people you got in the crowd? How many South Asians you got in the crowd? That's the biggest, the, the, the toughest job, uh, the part of the job, reading the crowd. Nice. So we, so what advice would you kind of give someone who wanted to pursue a career kind of similar to yours? The best advice I could give is that don't, do not do this unless you have some kind of passion for music. We got a, we got a lot of people who just do this for the money. I mean, yeah, money is good, but, um, if you got to have passion, man, if you're going to do this, you definitely got to have passion. That would be, that would be step number one. Second, a whole lot of hard work, of course, just like everything else in the in the world there's this old guy on tiktok said oh he said success is like it's like a pregnant woman uh because everybody sees it that you're pregnant but they don't know how many times you got to get there (laughs) oh wow Um, (laughs) get it (laughs) exactly okay then he goes on to say i have how many how many million pores do we have in our body he said i've been in every single pour, at least twice. <laughs> wow. That's a interesting way to put it. Were there, times, were there times where you was like, can I really do this? Were there times where you kind of questioned? Mm-hmm. I know you said you have to have a passion. Oh, man, were there? If I had a penny for every time I felt like I couldn't do this, I'll be a millionaire right now. It was, it was a lot. Because it's not. It's a very unorthodox path of career nobody's like oh i want my son to become a dj yeah the limelight is nice but you gotta you gotta do a lot to get there to be known understand the business to understand it's a whole science man even that board the little board you go on you know it's a whole science you were talking about the uh the board just now that just kind of gives me to i know you you were getting into the djing you were getting into the emceeing was it trial and error were there resources like were there some things that kind of helped you along the way to gain the skills you need so you could keep progressing and up in your level each time? It was just watching other people that really just made me say, hey, man, I want to do better. You know, I, I always liked standing out in the crowd. Doing something different always feels good, just naturally, too, for, you know, humans. It's, it's trial and error. You learn. We're from a YouTube era, too. I, you know, really put my work in. I watch videos. I sat down. I understood everything. I understood what every single button does. Even until now, I don't use the board to its full potential. It's, it's been, it's been, you know, it's been a learning process. So, were there outside of just a resource and a YouTube? Were there like, I don't know, several people that you would say like truly influenced you? Oh yeah, if, if there were people that you knew of, like, of. Yes, in terms of like you know uh, uh, encouraging me. Yeah, my mother, my mother was there, man. Honestly, it was my mother. Most of it is my mother. My mother just kept saying, hey, man, keep going, keep going, keep going. And the you DJ. Uh, and the DJ yes. space. Yes, yes. My father wasn't that much in, in the favor of that. You know, of course, he's a man. He's like, oh, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be an engineer, a fireman, NYPD, something righteous, you know. But you know what, right. man? Um, he goes everywhere now, and people know him as my father. You know the crazy part he about the... Um, the crazy part about the, the righteous thing is, or, you know, making you know, change in someone's life. What you doing, I would think, especially from the women's perspective, well, I guess from the guy also is, these are memories. 
like people are always going to remember the day that they got married. They're going to remember the day that they had the event. They're going to have those pictures up on the wall. They're going to have the book. The people, it's going to be on their social media. Their friends are going to be talking about it. This is something that you can always go back to. Like, why did I get married? Or why did we get together? And you remember those happy days. And you remember that monumentous day where you said, I do. And you actually, you know, the two, three day event or whatever it is and whichever culture it is. Like you're truly making an impact in those people's lives. Yes, yes, that's our goal, man. I don't care, you know that 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 term, uh, "put your game face on," really comes in play because there's days we work 21 hours. We got to wake up, back up, and we got a ceremony to do. I got to be all happy and jolly because come on, who wants a sad or a mad DJ? Like, oh, <laughs> you know, they're like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy's face? You ever seen a DJ who's just standing there like this and he's like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you even look at the guy like, yo, why the because this guy's so stiff, man. Loosen the up, bro. Like, you're trying to have fun, but you're making us nervous, you know? Like, and I'm also intimidating. I come off very intimidating, you know? And I'm kind of loud just naturally from emceeing all the time, you know? So people already feel intimidated. So I got to be, like, extra nice. I can't just be regular nice because then people, you know, just it's not enough. The intimidation any- level got to match the, the, the niceness level. Did you have like mentors or anyone that kind of showed you the way? I know you said you had no. YouTube. Was there like a physical person? Oh, so it was literally trial and error and watching what other people doing. Yeah, the there was nobody, bro. One thing about this industry is, and I'm sure you, wherever you've been in a couple of industries, you know this too. It's a very crab mentality. And not to say nothing against my own people. These are my own people. I love my own people, but there's always bad apples in a, in a there's always a bad apple in a bunch. You know what I'm saying? So, People don't help, bro. Nobody gives advice for free. Nobody. Excuse my language. But people don't, bro. People don't. Nobody wants to give a lending hand. Because in this business, people are more worried about the fact that if I taught this guy, what if he goes past me? Right. That was the difference between me. I never looked at... I saw what other people were doing, but I never made it my main goal to just keep watching them. I made it my goal to increase my creativity and not do what they're doing. Instead of saying, oh, let me copy this guy, or let me copy that guy, or let me not, man. We won't break. But nobody so, else, um, no mentors. There was nobody, not a DJ. Every DJ I worked for, um, and, you know, I'm sorry I sound bitter, but they just basically used me. They would pay me as less as possible. I used to work for a guy. Let's say you're my helper, right? And you're going to a wedding. You know, let's say as a roadie. And you come very well dressed. You have a light blue tie on. You have a white vest on. You have some white loafers with black pants. Looking flies. And my man, he used to wear a black suit with a black tie. I've been working with him for a while. I bought a new outfit finally. You know, I had some money. And I was like, hey, man, let me buy a new outfit. I don't look good. Young guy. This guy says, why are you dressed like that? You're not supposed to dress like that for a wedding. I said, why? What's wrong with what I'm wearing? But see, the fact was that night, a lot of people were giving me compliments. They were like, hey, man, nice fit. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, thanks, bro. You know? So people were showing love. But this guy, my boss, supposedly boss, the guy I worked for, didn't like my outfit. I said, what should I wear? He said, what I'm wearing, black and white. I said, I don't want to look like a waiter. You don't, you've been, he was, he's been in the business 10 to 15 years. If you don't understand that it's called show biz for a reason, you have to show it's a business of show. If you don't, if every aspect of what I do is not entertaining to my crowd, then I'm not doing my job right. Right. I need to look good. I need to be, I get a fresh cut every 
a week, sometimes twice a week because you work so much. But from clothes, I mean, I don't like blindly go spend money on suits and spending thousand bucks. Nah, bro. I'll go to Jamaica Avenue, Queens, man. <laughs> grab the hundred dollar suit from there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Have a couple of those. I switch and switch back and forth and and, and use them. Nice. Um, in your industry, would you say there were? Um, I think in every industry there are. Are there like common myths that you get tired of hearing in your profession, or your feel yeah. that you would like to debunk? Just be like, dude, stop. Like seriously, yeah. just stop. Uh, the, the 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 fact that clients just think sometimes that we just come there and we just have robots or something and they just say for us and they're like you're just coming to play that's it i'm like yeah but who the is gonna bring my (laughs) who's gonna drive there you gonna pay uncle sam uncle sam wants some of my money too man you know what i'm saying so that's i want to debunk that i wish i want to normalize south asian clients paying their vendors what they ask for like you don't go to macy's and buy a pair of pants and say Hey, since I'm getting a second one, give me some discount. You pay what they cost. <laughs> Tag price. Right? I actually, I've actually had that conversation. Um, there's a guy that I, I do a lot of work with, and he would actually give me a price, and it in his voice, it almost sounded like he felt bad. And I was like, what do you feel bad for? Like, you're incredible at what you do. Yeah. You ask for whatever you feel you deserve, and if people want it, they'll take it. And if not, they're not. I said, I've been for the, in the for same the bad industry. That's, that, I've worked yeah. with people where they were incredible and they would charge here. And I've yeah. worked with people who were eh and charged up here. And it's like, if you knew like, how much people... And then those guys said, make us look bad, the good ones. They make the good ones look bad because now they think every. Whack, whack person is white, whack DJs like that in that line of work. I'm like, come on, man, you know. But, you know, content definitely helps. That's where content comes in. I can keep my Instagram busy. I get promos done. I do music on the side. And, um, so it is, it's a lot more than just the show. Like, it, oh, it's man, it's business lot. outside of the actual event. You I remember, you know, do the marketing and branding for yourself. Right. Like, look, why does one more experienced director charges more than the other new director? who probably went to a bigger school or did whatever, but doesn't have experience. It's the same thing, man. You pay for that experience too. I have 12 years under my belt. You're paying for that. And, you know, thank God, now I've gotten to the point where people are really, really noticing the work um, since we expanded. And, you know, they're really, they'll bargain a little bit. I'll be like, hey, sorry, the price is firm. You know, keep it moving. Keep it business. Keep it nice. I understand you got a budget, but you should have invited 5,000 people to your wedding. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> Keep your small if you want to pay less. <laughs> what the fuck, man? A big fat yeah. South Asian man. You're inviting 600 people. Are you asking me to do instead of a $500? Come on. What is wrong with these people? Now, you've been doing this for a while, and I've seen your calendar, and it's literally like booked seven days a week, like literally yeah. every Thank day. Thank God. Is, what are your, I guess, your plans for the future? Is this like something you can you keep that pace of seven, you know, two, three events, seven days a week for the next 10, 20 nah, years? Like, how I do you go big? What are your plans? Are you looking to grow, expand, hire people to replace you, like train people up? Like, what, what, what are your yeah. goals? I want to sit back and I want to just book. I want to have a solid team. 
multiple teams do multiple events. We're already doing multiple events, but we're in the process of building a team. It's a whole process. People got to see the vision, man. Somebody said this. You have to be very careful with who the who you share your thoughts with because you're wasting your energy if that other person doesn't appreciate your thoughts. You ever give an idea to somebody and then they just kind of like, oh, good luck. You think this is going to happen? You have cool, no man. idea. They'll give you a thumbs up and say, get the out of here. I, I've, I've definitely oh, worked too. with people like that. And and you I always tell, I tell people I have an extremely small circle. So the people who are in my circle, I value those relationships. And I literally share my connections because everyone, you've heard the saying, you know, birds of a feather flock together. It's more of a, the people that you surround you kind of give you a prediction or destiny of where you're going to be. So I That's always true. try to surround myself with doers, shakers and movers, people that when I call them, I know they have good news. I know they have, oh, I'm working on this. Oh, I'm flying out here. Oh, I have this, this new meeting. I have this new client. That motivates me to actually do something. Those are the people that I actually share my ideas with because I know I surround myself with no men, not yes men. I like people who tell me, they'll never tell me, they'll never tell you you can't do it. They'll just kind of question your reason or your purpose of doing it that way. So it's like, I'm getting, how you gonna make it happen? Exactly. So it's like, oh, okay, it's a good idea, but you know, if you do that, it's gonna take a lot of work. And it's probably going to take a lot of no's and rejection at, like, I'm not knocking it. I believe you can do it. I'll help you what I can. But don't waste my time if you're not going to actually put in the work to go get it done. So those are the type of people that I like to. So I, I completely agree. I've worked with people where I've shared ideas and months would go by. And it's like, um, have you done anything that I was asking you or telling you about? So it's yeah. like, so stop coming to me complaining that you don't have the results that you have. You yep. can't, there's no such thing as overnight success. It's over many nights success. It takes Absolutely. many, you see where people are. And one, the main purpose of the show is I want people to see how they got there. It's the journey, the in the woods, not the yep. on point. It's the yep. last 12 years on how you became on point, basically. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. There's a lot. And I'm still going, man. I still got life in me. I'm still going. Like I said, that 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 retirement at 40 ain't going to come easy, bro. I'm going to have to break a couple of bones, break my back. But it's okay. As long as I get to retire at 40, man, that'll be my second life goal that I'll achieve. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm What was good. the first one? First one is buying the house. I bought the house. Oh, nice. Yes. And you have a studio that you're actually speaking to me in yeah, now. Yeah. I see yeah. the uh, lights going on in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ice maker right there. That's the ice maker. So let me ask you, um, if you and I could switch places, what would you, like, you were the interviewer, I'm the interviewee. Is there anything that you would have liked me to ask you or anything that's on your mind that you would have liked to ask me? Uh, damn, that's a tough one. What would I ask you, or if there's anything that you, I would like you to ask me? That I that I might have missed or forgot. Man, oh, my Instagram. I want to share my Instagram. I would love to share my Instagram. Oh, Let's I'm sharing all your stuff. I, actually, I, when, when we do the video, I'm actually going to have your Instagram uh, on the oh, video. On the, okay. And and I'm, I'm definitely going to have you talk about everything that you're working on in the future. 
uh, awesome. how do people to connect with you? Yeah, I definitely I'm I'm big about promoting other yep. people. Hey, man, I, absolutely, I, it's all about an expansion and a, a plethora mindset. I don't believe in the there's not enough room for everybody at the top. If anything, the world doesn't have enough people trying to make moves. Amen. 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 People are too comfortable. People get too comfortable. You know. So now that you actually asked me that, here's your moment to shine. So All right. what, would you, what would you like our listeners to know about you, your company, uh, where they can connect with you online, email, phone, whatever? Awesome. So you guys could connect with me on Instagram, DJ Salman, DJ S-A-L-M-A-N-N-Y-C. Um, we have On Point Events. NY, damn, I don't even remember it. I've had it for so long. I don't know if it's NYC or NY. <laughs> it and is. I'm going to add a link for everything also for you too. Nice, nice. On Point Events, NYC. O-N-P-O-I-N-T, Events, with an S, NYC. Um, that's about it, man. You know, Woods, man, it's, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> you know, it was a pleasure. We, You know, we really shared. We're very similar, you know, uh, in terms of uh, experiences. I could tell. And, yeah. uh, and you know, God bless. We'll keep doing this. Let's let's look. You know, let's come up with some more ideas. You know. Oh yeah, I'm, trust me, I ain't going anywhere. I'll definitely in touch. Now I have one. I call it my signature question for the show. What was your darkest moment in your journey to get to where you are now, and how did you cope and overcome it? I just um, want people. I want people to know that everyone who has reached a high level of success, I've never met anyone. Who has not had that moment where where they question what they were doing? Where they said it's enough. It's it's exactly, and that's the point where people My, have to understand you have to overcome that to get to where you want to go. That moment would be man. That's my darkest moment was sleeping in my car for two weeks. That would be my darkest moment, and uh, that's was that during the DJing, or was that? When, before was that when you started or before? It was before you started. Was that kind of the before revelations that was like, you know what? I got to change what I'm doing because it's not working. Yeah, man. I was like, that was a turning it. point. Yes. <clears throat> That's when I said I'm going to do whatever it takes to buy a house 10 years later. And, and God bless. I made it happen. How did you overcome that? Was that the initial grind? That was the I have to do something besides this? Yes. How did I come over it, man? Just, you know, you got to put your head down. You got to f- say f- all the bullshit. Just focus on the money. Yeah. Money you know? doesn't uh, solve all the problems, but not having it, it causes a lot more. A lot more. Exactly. <laughs> I don't say it's everything, but when you have a passion, like I had a passion for music, I started following that. Money starts following you automatically. When you Absolutely. start doing what you love, the money will follow. Just keep working. Keep praying. You know, just have clean intentions. Be a good person. Smile. Just keep it nice. Absolutely. DJ Selman. And this is coming from a guy who used to get mad very easily. You know what I'm saying? I had a very short temper. You know what's funny is I've never seen that side of you. You've always been this guy. Yeah, I was always at work. I was always at work. You are. And I would think at work would be the place you would want to have a temper. Be like, dude, stop. Get Leave me alone. Get out of my face. Yeah, but then you lose your job. <laughs> <laughs> you met me a little bit into it when I became a little stable. You know what I'm saying? A little yeah. bit into it. Yeah, no. And that's what I, was, you know, when I, had a- I literally used to make it a point 
to stop there. Just to like chat, be like, yo, what's up? How's it going? Where's my honey bun? <laughs> no, but you know, it's always, a, it's always a pleasure. I mean, it's good to have long-term bonds with people that, that are actually making moves. They don't just talk about what they want, but they're actually making the moves. And now I see you have the website, you have the social media presence, you have the book calendar, you have the business, you have the people following you and contacting and reaching out to you. And that, that 40 year old goal in my eyes is already a given. Then it's just going to be a point of what are you going to do after you get there? Is it going to be travel the world or start something else? Because trust me. Nah, man. I just want to retire into the – I want to retire into the woods. Uh, <laughs> to the mountains. You know? You saw what I did there? Into yeah, the woods. Absolutely. Into the woods. Um, somewhere upstate, bro. Have my own land. Have a horse or something. A couple of chickens. Hang out. Relax. The, the last 30 years of my life, I want to spend like that because the first 30 have already been spent in busting your ass and trials and tribulations and sorrow and drama. And now it's time to just bang. That's the goal. I definitely feel you. Die in my sleep. That's the goal. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks for joining, joining me for this uh, episode of In the Woods. Be sure to sign up to our email list over at moreinthewoods.com. Uh, so that you don't miss our next episode and follow us at uh, WilliamMoreTheAuthor.com. And I'm James Woods, also known as William Moore. Thank you for listening.